The Church, in her wisdom, sets out weekly readings from the Gospels. These readings allow us to follow the life and teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ and the story of our salvation. Upper Room Media presents to you the weekly Sunday homily delivered from Sydney, Australia. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. This is the Sunday which is before the Feast of the Ascension because the resurrection, Easter, always falls on a Sunday. So 40 days after will always fall on a Thursday. So the Feast of the Ascension is always on Thursday about, I can't do the math, I think just shy of six weeks after the resurrection. And seeing as this, this is the Sunday before that, the church is preparing us for this great and awesome feast which always falls on a weekday and makes it a little bit harder for everybody to kind of take advantage and enjoy it so i'm gonna i'm gonna make reference to the feast of the ascension the feast of the ascension is where we celebrate that jesus while he was with his disciples after he died he rose from the dead he spent 40 days appearing to his disciples being with them spending time with them and then one day they were on the mount of olives which is sort of exactly opposite jerusalem so jerusalem is on a hill and then there's a valley called the valley of kidron and in the valley runs a brook called the brook of kidron right and it has many other names and every king who would come would change its name and and so on the jehoshaphat named it after himself and so on right that's what kings do right but anyways geographically like the topography of the you know geography there's a hill on the other side, and that's the Mount of Olives. <clears throat> so Jesus is with his disciples on the Mount of Olives, and next thing they know, he is like levitating, but not quite levitating. He just keeps going. He keeps going, he keeps going, and he ascends up through the clouds. And the angels look down, and they tell, and they tell them, you know, men of Judea, why are you looking up so amazed? This Jesus who once came down to you, has gone back up to heaven to his to his father right and they're given instructions to stay in jerusalem for 10 days until they receive power from on high which is the feast of pentecost that we'll celebrate not next sunday but the one after 10 days after the feast of the ascension so in light of this in light of the ascension in light of jesus in the flesh, in the body, with his body, ascending up into heaven, right? Which we'll talk a little bit about, but I'll talk more about it on, on Thursday in that, that early morning service, right? <clears throat> in light of that, the church is preparing us for that. And Jesus actually prepared his disciples for that when he spoke with them the night before he was arrested and crucified. And he says to his disciples, let your heart not be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may also be. Then he tells them, and where I'm going, you know, and the way you know and thomas says to him lord we don't know where you're going how could we know the way and he tells him thomas come on now 
Have I been with you this long and you do not know me? I am the way and the truth and the life. He who has seen me has seen the Father and so on. But I really want to focus just on this first part where Jesus says, it's so sweet. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. Jesus is saying, from now on, we're never going to be apart again. After my wife and I were in a long distance relationship, uh, I was uh, in Vancouver and then I moved to Toronto. She was in London, England. So when, when I was in Vancouver and she was in England, that was like an eight hour time difference. You can imagine how hard it was to keep in touch. And this is like, this is before like FaceTime. So this is like Skype, you know, uh, right? I don't want to like date myself, but let's just say the world has moved on very fast. Okay. Right. This is like 2010, 2011. Right. Anyhow, we're, uh, you know, the, the day after our wedding, uh, we had a brunch with friends and we kind of lost track of time and we were supposed to catch our flight for our honeymoon and we were going to be late. So our family got us together quickly, rushed us to the airport and we like managed to make it through. We got through security. We got onto the plane and I'm sitting on the plane and my phone rings with that Skype ringtone. And I'm like, wait a minute, something is wrong here, right? I only use Skype to call Mary, but Mary's sitting right beside me. She's buckled into a seat, right? And I turned to Mary and I said, I never want to hear this ringtone ever again. And I held her hand. What I was saying is I never want to be an ocean away from you ever again. It was my parents just making sure, or her parents, I can't remember, we caught the flight and so on. And there have been umpteen phone calls after that as I catch flights at the last minute. I made it to the airport once 17 minutes before takeoff and I still caught my flight. I've also missed a dozen flights as well. So that's, that's neither here nor there. But the point is, is that that Skype ringtone for me was associated with having to call Mary long distance, long distance relationship, odd hours of the night and all this pain and suffering due to the distance between us. And I was so happy that I was never, ever going to have to be an ocean away from her ever again. Jesus says here, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may also be. And I think he's saying, I never want to hear that long distance Skype ringtone with you ever, ever, ever again. I want to be with you, you with me and me with you forever. Right? And he's saying, I go to prepare a place for you in my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you there and I will come again he says and I will receive you to myself that where I am there you may also be I really want to focus today really really want to focus today on God's provision that God has provided God has provided an end game for you and for me this is the end game this is the end game. And I'm not going to focus too much on it because there's so much that could be said. But the end game, forgive me for reopening the curtain, right? The end game is the icon that you see in front of you, which is taken from the book of Revelation. 
The end game is Christ seated on the throne and the angels all around him and the 24 elders, you know, uh, you know, bowing down, throwing down their crowns of gold and offering incense and the saints all processing towards the throne and myriads upon myriads of angels and archangels and dominions and powers and authorities all gathered around the throne, all praising. And where's your spot? And where's your place? And I've shared this with you before, forgive me if I'm sharing it again, but this is a total game changer. And I've shared this with you, maybe you remember, maybe you don't. I don't know if any of you have ever been to any of, the, any of those conferences we have sometimes with Abuna Dawood Lamai, right? Very, very prolific Arabic-speaking priest from New Cairo. Um, and he's, he's got thousands of sermons online. Everybody listens to him in Arabic and so on. And he comes sometimes, we do a conference here, and there's literally 20,000 people there, right? So I, I never go, but I went once, and I was, I was sitting in the last row near the door, right? And all I could see was like the top of his hat, you know, like just the top, right? Because I was sitting so far away he was like a dot in the complete distance that's how i imagine my place in the kingdom of heaven you know i imagine i'm going to be sitting in the bleachers way way in the very last row you know um if if you know if seating is based uh, upon virtue you know that i'm going to be like i'm going to be lucky that i just made it I just made it in. Of course, this is completely wrong, what I'm telling you, okay? But it's my imagination. And some angel is going to walk by with a bucket of binoculars, and he's going to be like, you can't see. Yeah, neither can I hear. You want, you want some, right? And I'll be looking through the binoculars, trying to see the throne somewhere, way, 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 myriads and myriads, multitudes of, of righteous people and holy people and saints and angels and and down there in the middle somewhere is a dot which is jesus and with the binoculars i can kind of see him right no no this is totally wrong that's what i think you know that's what i think that my place in the kingdom is going to be way back there by the door somewhere no no it's not sometimes here the place is so packed people are standing on the stairs and i feel bad they can smell the incense and they can hear the hymns but they can't even see sometimes i imagine that will be my place in the kingdom no i tell you no that is not your place in the kingdom your place in the kingdom says ephesians chapter 2 is in christ jesus in christ jesus in the heavenly places so you know like if you go see a basketball game or or or, 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 or any kind of sporting event or, or you go to the or you know the the uh, the, the the opera or a symphony orchestra or whatever you got a ticket and on the ticket you know it's assigned seating right you're you're sitting in this bowl in this row in this whatever right and you go and if you and if you get or, or if you take a flight you know you know and it happens all the time you know that somebody's accidentally sitting in your seat so you say I, i'm so sorry you know my seat is 36 f row whatever a seat whatever and uh and they and they look at oh yeah i'm sorry and they move over one or whatever why because there is somebody prepared for you it wasn't a shock the airline wasn't shocked the orchestra wasn't shocked the sporting event people weren't shocked that you showed up no they issued a ticket to you in your name with a seat that was saved just for you there is a seat saved just for you you know where it is where is it way way back there in the bleachers binoculars no no it's not is it front row Front row, courtside, courtside. You're going to have, you're sitting there right beside Drake 
on the court, right? No, no, I tell you, no. You know where it is? It's not, it's not sitting, you're not going to be sitting like, you know, on the shoulder of this lion over here, right beside Jesus. No, I tell you, your place is in Christ Jesus, in him, all of heaven, all of heaven revolves around him and our place, the place of those who have, who, who have believe in him, have entered into Christ and my place is in him in the heavenly places now given this and 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 that and that would be more than enough for today's sermon but i've preached on this at least a half dozen times before so i wanted to take i wanted to take it with a little bit of a different twist given that given that god has provided an end game for your life more than your life for your existence how much more will he not provide for every other little thing and big thing in our lives. He says the very hairs of your head are counted. He says not a sparrow falls without my father's permission. He says look at the lilies of the field and how they are clothed. Solomon in all of his glory was not clothed like one of these. My father clothes them. How much more will he not clothe you? Oh, little with little faith, you of little faith. So, look, look at look at the beauty. Look at the beauty of how much God has prepared for you and for me. There's some verses from the Old Testament that always get me. You know, that always get me. Moses, Moses, before he he dies, God tells him, "You're not going to enter the promised land." So they, 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 they finally pass through Moab and they're on the hill before they enter into, before they cross the Jordan to enter into the promised land. And so Moses is on the hill and he says, let me retell you the law so that no one can say they haven't heard the law. Because all of the people who came out of Egypt with him had passed away in the desert. They had all died except for Joshua and Caleb and the people who were where now the multitude going into the promised land were their children. So think of it, they were all born in the desert. Most of them had not seen Moses go up the mountain and get the law and the fire and the smoke and the this and, and come down with the Ten Commandments and the golden calf. Most of them hadn't seen that. Most of them, if anything, they might have been children at that time. So God says, Moses says, let me retell you the law. Deuteronomy, the second telling, Deutero, second, the second telling. So the whole book of Deuteronomy happens on this hill before they enter the promised land. And Moses is telling them, he's, he's reminding them of the law that God has told them. And he begins in chapter one and he tells them, he tells them, do not be terrified or afraid of them, your enemies. The Lord your God goes before you. He will fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And in the wilderness where you saw, and this is the part, I love this, how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. In the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you like a man carries his son. Where does he carry us? in the wilderness. If you're passing through a wilderness today and now, 
Know that the Lord your God, the Lord your God is carrying you. Why the Lord your God? Why the word the Lord your God? Why not just God is carrying you? Because the word Lord, the word Lord is the word that a, a servant uses to his master. It means when I call somebody Lord, it, it, it presupposes obedience. It presupposes that I will obey you because you are my Lord and I am your servant. Those of you who have chosen a path of obedience, the whole book of Deuteronomy is very, it's very, it's very much uh, 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 like bisecting. He's like bisecting the whole congregation. Those who want to obey and those who don't want to obey. And if you obey, this will, this will, this will happen. If you don't obey, this and this and this will happen. The word obedience is the middle, the middle line that is really drawing the line in the book of Deuteronomy. Right? And so those of you who have chosen a path of obedience to the Lord, and you call Him the Lord your God, He carries you as a parent carries, as a father carries his child through the wilderness. We were at Disney when uh, Zoe was like two and a half or three or something. And, uh, you know, the line for It's a Small World was like five hours or something. It was insane right but you know i remember doing it as a kid with my parents and so i wanted you know i wanted my kids to have the same experience it was literally like like just under three hours or something right and there's zoe and i'm playing with her and i'm tickling her and i'm you know trying to keep her occupied as we're standing in this line and next thing poof she passes out right and i carried her for two and a half hours i don't think i could extend my left arm like for a day you know i think it was stuck in this position you know right but what was it gonna do drop her no of course not right a parent carries their child that's what they do you know if my parents were here right now they'd say you know and you're a lot heavier when you're 43 than you were when you were three years old and we're still carrying you and i bet it's true and I bet it's true, right? As a father carries his son, the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son in this wilderness. Think about that. Think about how beautiful that is. That's Deuteronomy 1.31. Enjoy that. Enjoy that. A little later on in the same book, Moses reminds them. He reminds them, I led you through this wilderness. And I have led you for 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn out on your feet. You have not eaten bread, nor have you drunk wine similar, and similar drink, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. God has taken care of them every step of the way. Isn't it odd? For 40 years, they've been walking in the wilderness. And we, bought our, we buy our daughter's shoes. It seems like every four months right and it's not because we're vain or they're vain maybe we are maybe we're not it's because i don't know they don't make them like they used to in moses time or something you know they wear out they wear out they wear out in four months i don't know what the kids do they eat the bottom of their shoes like it's obviously not how does this work right in moses time 40 years and 40 years they weren't riding the camels they were walking through the wilderness on hot sand and their sandals did not wear out. Their clothes did not wear out. 
God is paying attention to these minute details, to your footwear. God is paying attention to your footwear. He's paying attention to the sparrows. He's paying attention to the lilies of the field. He's paying attention to the end game, the fulfillment of your existence and your belonging in Christ Jesus forever. He's paying attention. If he's paying attention to all of these things, don't you think he's probably paying attention to your job? Paying attention to your personal life? Paying attention to your finances? Paying attention to your friendships? Paying it? Don't you think? Don't you think? Wouldn't it be odd that God would be paying attention to footwear and to your eternal destiny, but everything in between has over, he's overlooked? Wouldn't that be a little odd for us to think that? No, of course not. I want to conclude with you with probably like the, the most compelling argument for me of God's provision, right? St. John of Damascus says this in On the Faith, book 2, chapter 2. He says something really, really like for me, this is the most compelling argument that God must provide for you. He says this, he says, look, if God is the creator, if God is the creator, then wouldn't it make sense for him to have already planned the provision for his creation before he created it? Let's put it into modern terms. If you're going to buy a car, okay, before you sign the bill of sale, wouldn't you have looked up the insurance? Wouldn't you have gotten an insurance quote? Wouldn't you have looked into the gas mileage? Wouldn't you have looked into the maintenance record, like the maintenance schedule? Wouldn't you have looked into, can I do this? Before you sign an agreement to purchase and sale, don't you go to the bank and find out how much they're going to lend you? Before you go into anything, don't you make sure that you can, you have Re good reasonable doubt that you can carry it through would god have created the whole world to then ignore it like would and 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 obviously saint john of damascus writing in the in, in the in the 600s and the 700s in palestine obviously he doesn't use these examples he uses is would a man buy a field he says and not have already prepared what he's going to sow, what, what can be sown and what can be harvested in that field. Not everything can be planted and, and harvested successfully in, in every place, right? Wouldn't he have studied that? I have a friend who, who started a farm about six, seven years ago, right? And that's exactly what he did. He studied all of, of Southern Ontario and what can you grow where, and how much work and effort is it going to take? And he chose the thing that he would, that that would work, that would work well for him. Saint John of Damascus uses the same example and a, and a couple of others, but it would be redundant. He says because I've used some modern day examples for you. But the point is, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that God would create you, that God would bring you into this world, that God knows your name, that God knows every hair on your head, that God has counted every day of your life, that God has counted every tear that you've cried and put them in his bottle. All of these are verses from the Psalms. He's done all of that, and yet he has not, he doesn't have a plan to provide for you. God is the provider. He says it himself, and he says it about every detail of our lives, and he says it about the end game. He says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may also be. Glory be to God.
forever and ever. Amen. I'll invite you. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.